chapter 6, and I've uh, preached from this chapter before. I, I'm going to, Lord willing, uh, this evening, unless the message takes a different turn, which it very well could, uh, I, I'm going to try to give uh, a couple of practical things again. We Sunday night we were able to, uh, I enjoyed doing the message Sunday night on out of Philippians chapter 2, and just providing some practical helps from from God's Word. And uh, in dealing with our, our Christian life and what we ought to be uh, Sunday night, you know, the things that ought to exemplify and characterize our life. And when men look at us from the outside, these are things that ought to be there. And they ought to be there because of what we are inwardly. And uh, so we spent some time on that. Tonight I want to deal with the subject of our walk with God for a few moments and try to offer some practical things, some just very clear things that hopefully will be a help to us in our walk with God. I was reading an article this week by a, a preacher that, uh, if I were to mention his name, some of you may know him, but he pastors uh, a, a rather large church, uh, probably about 11, 1,200 people in his church, and uh, he's a good, solid Bible-preaching, Bible-teaching fella. And uh, he was uh, giving a little bit of personal testimony, but he was also giving um, some uh, illustration of some things that he had talked with people about. And he made mention of the fact that when he was uh, younger in ministry, even as a youth pastor in his young to mid-twenties, he mentioned the fact that he was embarrassed and ashamed to admit that there were a lot of days that went by many times without ever having spent time in his in God's Word or spending time in prayer with God and walking with God. And that danger is, is very real in a Christian's life. In fact, uh, he, he made mention of the fact that he was so busy in serving on staff and working in the church and the ministry that he equated his service to his walk with God and felt that that was enough. And yet, uh, as he grew in ministry and as he uh, got older, uh, he realized the importance of that walk with God. And I can relate to that. I remember when I was younger being so busy in ministry. And there were times that uh, I'd get to the end of the day and feel like, boy, I haven't done anything as far as uh, spending time with God today. And I would excuse it away with the fact that I was so busy doing God's work. And there's a danger in doing that. In fact, uh, in some of the colleges that I went to, the emphasis was so strongly placed on serving God that the emphasis of walking with God was many times not emphasized at all. And um, he made mention of the fact that later in his ministry, uh, he had talked with pastors and men uh, of God that uh, pastored churches. And he said, I was amazed to find out how many of them in talking with them about their personal walk and their time with God how many of them had never one time read the Bible through in its entirety, and here they are pastoring a church. And uh, he mentioned how traumatized he was or, or uh, discouraged he was by that in ministry to realize. And then he said over the years in pastoring and in, in counseling people in his church, he said, it's amazing to me how many times... I come to people who talk about their walk with God and they talk about a walk with God and the importance of the walk with God, but then in practice they neglect it. And he said it's one of those things in our Christian lives and especially in our churches that can become problematic uh, in that we know where to walk with God, where to spend time with Him in His Word and in prayer and meditating with Him. And yet, uh, even though knowing the importance of it and the value of it, 
and uh, all of that, that, that we still, uh, it becomes one of the things that becomes neglected. Uh, other things become more important. How much we value our walk with God is determined by how much time we give it. Have you ever noticed this, that you always find the time to do the things that you're interested in? Uh, I've, I've found that. I have hobbies. I have things I love. I enjoy. I, I like reading uh, about airplanes. And I get convicted sometimes when I sit down and I get an airplane uh, periodical in the mail. And I'll spend an hour without stopping or an hour and a half without stopping just reading through that magazine. And then I'll have to stop and think, okay, when was the last time I spent an hour straight through just reading Scripture? And it becomes very convicting sometimes when you stop and think about. And so with that thought in mind, it's been kind of heavy on my heart this week because after reading uh, about this man's experience and knowing some of the battles in my life, uh, when I, especially when I was younger. And I'll tell you this, it, it doesn't get any easier as you get older. Uh, Satan knows that he can throw things at you that will vie for your time and your attention and try to distract you from your walk with God. And yet it's a critical thing. In fact, it's vital. It's vital to the Christian life. And I want us to look at some things here very quickly. In Daniel chapter number 6, we're just going to look at a couple of things uh, towards the end of the chapter. In verse number 16, we'll begin reading. And again, I've, I've preached on this passage before. We're going to bring out a few different things than what I've preached on before. Then Daniel commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him in the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually. If you have a pen and you underline things in your Bible, I would encourage you to underline that entire phrase. Thy God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. Uh, Daniel's getting ready to face an amazing challenge in his life. In fact, to be honest with you, I don't know that there's a challenge that any of us in this room have ever faced that would be any more extreme than the challenge that Daniel is getting ready to face. Daniel, of course, we know the story, was being um, envied by some princes of the kingdom, and they could not find occasion against Daniel. He was a man that was an upright man and had character, was blameless, if you can use that term. Uh, doesn't mean he was sinless, it just means he lived in an exemplary life above reproach. And they figured that the only way they were going to find something against him was to find something against him in the area of his God and his worship. Well, I'll tell you, that says a lot about him, doesn't it? Wouldn't it be wonderful? If it could be said of you and I that people could not find anything to criticize us about except it be about our walk with God. Wouldn't that be an amazing thought? That when men and women looked at our lives, there wouldn't be anything they could say was a negative about that person. Except if we find it in their walk with God. They're walking with God too much. And so these men devised the plan. You all know the plan, how they went to the king and said, We want to petition you that you make a decree by the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be changed, that no man is to pray to any god except you, O king, for 30 days. And the decree was signed. The king didn't understand what was going on. He was uh, flattered, if you will. His ego was stoked. He was proud that these men thought so highly of him. And uh, his ego got best of him, and he wrote 
the, the law and, and signed it into decree. And if you take a moment to look with me in verse number 10, there's something about Daniel's walk with God that I think is very important to see here. Chapter number 6 and verse number 10, the Bible says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. And I'm so glad God put this in the Bible because it teaches us something I think that is invaluable to Christians. As he did aforetime. The day that the decree was signed by the king, Daniel didn't jump up out of bed that morning and say, Well, the sun is shining, the sky is blue, the birds are chirping, and I think it's a great day to serve God. To be faithful to Him and to walk with Him today. I think today, I haven't been doing it, but I think today will be the day. And, and I'm going to make the commitment that I'm going to walk with God. And, and it doesn't matter what happens even if it means my death, I'm going to walk with God. Daniel did not get up that morning and get to that point in his Christian life where the time he spent with God was so protected and so guarded that even to the point of being threatened with his life, he was not willing to give it up. Daniel had done this for quite a while. I don't know how much time specifically has taken place here. A number of years I haven't taken the time to calculate uh, and gone through the Scriptures, and there's a way to do that. But I will say this, that Daniel has already served under King Nebuchadnezzar, who had been several years, and under his grandson, Belteshazzar. And the Medes and the Persians had now taken over. And now he's serving under a third king, uh, King Darius. So for a rather lengthy period of time, Daniel has been in Babylon. Now if you hold your finger here in Daniel 6, because we're going to come back to it in just a minute, and we're going to look at the practical things and the application that we have in it. Look with me in Daniel chapter number 1, and I want you to begin uh, seeing in verse number, uh, let's go in verse number 5 of chapter 1. And this was right after the children of Israel had been carried into captivity by King Nebuchadnezzar. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and Hananiah, Shadrach, and Mishael of Meshach, and Azariah of Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. We're not going to take time to read the entire story there, but I will say this. Because of Daniel's commitment, and because of Daniel's faithfulness in this matter, and his purposing in his heart, God blessed Daniel above all of the others that had been carried into captivity uh, in Babylon because of his uh, putting God First, and by the way, can I just make a mention of this, that there is nothing greater that we can do in our lives than put God first. No matter what the cost is to us personally, God will always bless the person that puts him first and allows, to ha allows him to have first place in their life. 
We come back to Daniel chapter number 6 now, and we understand that he has purposed in his heart for a number of years that he's going to remain faithful to God. I cannot help but imagine that Daniel's commitment in his faithfulness not to defile himself with the king's meat carried over into his devotional life and his time of walking with God and spending with God. And the reason I believe that is because of what we find in Daniel chapter number 6 and verse number 10 when it says that he did the same thing that he had always done, and it says, as he did aforetime. Daniel had committed himself to walk with God and to spend time with God on a daily basis and being faced with the opportunity to either reject and to defy and to neglect his walk with God or to be put to death and a horrible mangled death by being thrown to the lions, Daniel said, I'll take my chances with walking with God. That says an awful lot about him. I wish it would say a lot about us, wouldn't it? If we could have this kind of determination when it comes to our walk with God. Folks, it's that vital. It's that important that the body would be destroyed before our spiritual commitment to our God would be compromised. We find here as we get to verse number 16 of chapter 6 that the Bible says the king commanded and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake. And said unto Daniel, now this is the king's opinion of Daniel. This is not Daniel patting himself on the back. This is what someone other than Daniel thought of Daniel. Thy God, whom thou servest continually. That's a mouthful. He will deliver thee. Boy, the king has faith that God will deliver Daniel. Now, let me ask you this question. Where did the king's faith come from? Where where do you think this king was so convinced that God was going to deliver Daniel? From Daniel. This king wasn't saved. This king didn't trust God. He, He just made a law that said nobody's allowed to pray to any other gods except him. This is not a God fearing king. And yet he was thoroughly convinced that Daniel's God would deliver him miraculously, supernaturally, from the lion's jaws. And he thought so with conviction and commitment. Because of the testimony of Daniel. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you and I could have that kind of testimony? When it pertained to our walk with God, when it pertained to our relationship with this Savior that we love so dearly. Oh, to be that committed to Him. That even to the point of death. As a young man, I heard illustrations given in, in, in sermons of Nate Saint and Jim Elliott and the five missionaries down to the Alka Indians. I heard uh, the, uh, the uh, uh, Borden story of the young man of the Borden fame that went overseas to be a missionary. And gave up all that he had to be a missionary over to China, I believe it was. I I remember my heart being stirred and hearing of these folks that had given their lives to give the gospel to somebody. And as a young person, I used to think, Lord, I I want to be willing to give my life for you. I, I would want to be willing to die for you. As I got older, I realized something that 
was even of utmost importance to me, that it became very important to me, and that was this. God has not asked me at this point in my life to die for Him, but He has asked me to live for Him. And if I'm not willing to live for Him, I'll never be willing to die for Him. If, if I'm not willing to do what God asks of me now, without the burden of my life being threatened, as the book of Hebrews says, resisting unto blood, that's what it refers to. I've not been asked to be a martyr. I've not been asked to be thrown in prison. I've not been asked by God to, to remain faithful as I've been beaten or I've been filleted alive or I've been cast to the lions or been sawn asunder. I've not been asked by God to do that. All God has asked of me in my life is, will you live for me? And if I'm not willing to live for Him, how would I ever be willing to die for Him? If my walk with God is not any more important to me than that, we have in our hands tonight a copy of the Bible. Most of us have more than one. And yet there are people throughout history that have given their very lives to glean even one portion of Scripture. They would cherish it. They would, they would nurture that little piece of paper that had just small passages of Scripture on it. And they would hide it in fear of death. And when caught and told to renounce Christ, they chose rather to go through the process of being a martyr than to give up and recant against the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I have been given great liberty. We live in a time of history where there's unbelievable religious liberty. In fact, in the history of mankind, I don't know of any greater religious liberty than we have today, that we experience in the United States of America. And I wonder how our walk with God is. We have every potential and every opportunity to kneel before God three times a day, four times a day, eight times a day, to come to Him whenever we need to come to Him, to pray over our food in public, we don't have to worry about being arrested for that. To jump in a car and tell people, hey, I'm going to church. I'll see you after church. And not worry about people following us and trying to throw us in prison. We don't have to worry about that. And then to hear this article this week as I've read it, my heart was stirred about our walk with God because how lightly we take it so often. How carelessly we treat it. We, we don't think that it's of that important to us. And yet we find here in Scripture, we find down through history and illustrations of Christians that have given their lives for their walk with God. And then we wonder, where's the revival? We wonder why our country is the way it is. And we wonder why there aren't hundreds and thousands coming to Christ as they used to. And I ask tonight, how is our walk with God? I'm not asking what we think of it. I know we all think. I, I don't think if we went around the room tonight and said, what do you think about your walk with God? How important is it? I guarantee you, I, I, I would think every one of us would say it's of utmost importance. It's probably the most important thing. And yet when it comes to our practice, how often we love the idea of walking with God and yet we don't do it. 
We don't spend the time. Other things begin to take its place. We have other things that become more important to us. I'm going to give you three things that Daniel did, and we're going to be done. I'm just going to give them to you in a list very quickly when it came to his walk with God. Number one, it was personal to him. It was personal to him. His walk with God was personal. He didn't just say, yeah, I think Christians ought to walk with God. He said, I've got to walk with God. It's not enough that his three Hebrew friends walked with God and he hung around them. He wasn't spiritual by association. He was spiritual because he walked with God. Can I tell you this? You can be a member of Keith Heights Baptist Church. You can be a pillar of the, uh, of the church and not walk with God. When it comes to our walk with God, folks, it cannot rely upon what everybody else at Keith Ice Baptist Church does. It's got to belong to me. It's got to be my choice. It's got to be something that's important to me. When it came to his walk with God, it was personal. Something that he felt like it was not going to be able to be done any other way than for him to walk with him. I want you to notice, secondly, he says, is thy God whom thou servest continually. When it came to his walk with God, he gave his walk with God priority. Priority in his life. It had first claim. If he had a choice between his time spent with God that day and something else of great value, you could rest assured every time. His priority was his walk with God. He said, Brother Greg, how do you know that? Because I can't think of anything more precious than your own life. And yet he was willing to walk with God and lose his life. Uh, The Bible kind of teaches that, doesn't it? What does it say about the man who will find his life shall lose it, or the man that keeps his life shall lose it, and the man who will give his life shall find it? The Bible talk about that. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these other things. All these things will be added unto you. Does it talk about our priority of our walk with God? This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. In this law doth he meditate day and night. His word will be a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. The priority of our walk with God. And then the power that the walk with God brings. Daniel understood the power of God came directly proportional to his walk with God. Not only was the king convinced that God was going to deliver him because of Daniel's walk with God, his testimony, his time with God. But as we get down to verse number 20, and when he came to the den after he had been all night without sleep, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel and The king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able 
to deliver thee from the lion's mouths. And this is a different king than it was when he threw him in. The king, when he threw him in, was very confident and cocky about it. And yet, at this point, he's worried to death. His faith was shaken. He says, I got him now, service continually able. Daniel, is he able? <laughs> Verse number 21, Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God, this personal God, hath sent his angel and hath shut the lion's mouths that they have not hurt me. Our walk with God brings God's power on our lives. It's productive. It allows us to be effective in working and laboring and serving Him. In verse number 23, Then was the king exceeding glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den. Look down in verse number 25, Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. And his kingdom that shall not be destroyed, which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth. He worketh signs and wonders in heavens, in earth. Who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius, in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. I wonder when we get to heaven. We look at how much we neglected in this life our walk with God. And as a result, we see those that we could have reached that we did not. Because of Daniel's testimony, because of his walk with God, if you will, the king made a decree to all the people. He said, did they all believe? I don't know. I don't, I, if history holds true, I don't suspect every one of them believed. But I know one person that did. The king. I wonder what our walk with God is like. I, um, I'm not asking us what we think about a walk with God. I think we all love the idea that we're to walk with God. I think we know that. We cherish it. We think, boy, this is a, something that's priority in the Christian life. But when it comes to the practical use of our walk with God, how's our walk with God? How's our time spent with Him? Do other things become more important? What, what demands our time? Oh, we've become a people that would walk with Him. And I'm not just talking about spending time to, not, to notch the belt and check the list off. I'm talking about getting alone with God and walking with Him. Is it personal? Does it have the priority? Do we have God's power? Let's stand together. Father, we're thankful for Your Word. Lord, it's a Wednesday night, and I understand that.
But I think tonight we'll give an invitation just to give people an opportunity to respond. Lord, I've been burdened with this this week. And uh, reading that article hit very close to home and knowing and understanding and being able to relate to what this man was speaking of. Lord, the truth is it's probably one of the most neglected things in our churches today. Lord, I pray that you would help those that are here tonight, maybe that have allowed this area of their life to become uh, of low priority, that perhaps tonight we would recommit ourselves to it. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be a people that walk with you, that long to follow after you, spend time with you. Lord, there is no sweeter thing in all the earth. There is no more beneficial thing for us in all this earth. We are in so much need of it, and yet so much we don't do it. And I pray that you would help us to recommit ourselves to it tonight. Bless the invitation time as we give opportunity for folks to respond. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.